Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Towards me. I know. I'm sorry, you guys. I had garlicky dinner and I keep burping, and Peyton is getting so grossed out, huh? She's like, Can you please stop burping? Because I'm also having, I have LaCroix, and my favorite is the limoncello. Yummy! Okay, sorry. I won't burp anymore. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Mom, stop. Okay, ready? A series of unfortunate events. Book the third The Wide Window. <clears throat> When someone's tongue swells up due to an allergic reaction, it is often difficult to understand what they are saying. Blah, 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 Klaus said as the three children got out of the taxi and headed towards the peeling white door of Aunt Josephine's house. I don't understand what you're saying, Violet said, scratching a hive at her neck that was the exact shape of the state of Minnesota. Blah, 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 Klaus, Klaus repeated, or perhaps he was saying something else. I haven't the faintest idea. Never mind, never mind, Violet said, opening the door and ushering her siblings inside. Now that you have time that you need to figure out whatever it is that you're figuring out. Blah, 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 Klaus Klaus blood. I can't understand you, Violet said. She took Sunny's coat off and then her own and dropped them both on the floor. Normally, of course, she would hang one's coat up on a hook in her closet, but itchy hives are very irritating, and they tend to make one abandon such manners. I'm I'm going to assume, Klaus, that you said something in agreement. Now, unless you need us to help you, I'm going to give Sunny and myself a baking soda bath to help our hives. Blah! Sunny shrieked as she meant to shriek, Gans! which means something along the lines of, good, because my hives are driving me crazy. Blah, Klaus said, nodding vigorously, and they began hurrying down the hallway. Klaus had not taken off his coat, but he wasn't. It wasn't because of his own irritating allergy condition. It was because he was going someplace cold. When Klaus opened the door of the library, he was surprised at how much it had changed. The wind from the approaching hurricane had blown away the last of the window, and the rain had soaked some of Aunt Josephine's comfortable chairs, leaving dark, spreading stains. A few books had fallen from the shelves and blown over the window, where the water had swollen them. There are few sights sadder than a ruined book, but Klaus had no time to be sad. He knew Captain Sham would come and retrieve the Baudelaire's as soon as he could, so he had to get right to work. First, he took Aunt Josephine's note out of his pocket and placed it on the table, weighing it down with a book so that it wouldn't blow away in the wind. Then he crossed quickly the shelves and began to scan the spines of books looking for titles. He chose three, basic rules of grammar, punctuation... Grammar and Punctuation, Handbook for the Advanced Apostrophe Use, and the Correct Spelling of Every English Word that Ever, Ever Existed. Oh, those books sound great, huh, Peyton? 
Don't do, don't you want that for your birthday? <laughs> okay. Each of the books was as thick as a watermelon, and Klaus staggered under the weight of carrying all three. With a loud thump, he dropped them on the table. Blah, 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 he muttered to himself as he found a pen and got to work. A library is normally a very good place to work in the afternoon. <sighs> but... In the afternoon, oh gosh, I just lost my place when I yawned. In the afternoon, but not if its window has been smashed and there is a hurricane, a hurricane approaching. The wind blew colder and colder, and it rained harder and harder, and the room became more and more unpleasant. But Klaus took no notice to this. He opened all of the books and took a copious. The word copious here means lots of. Notes stopping every so often to draw a circle up around some part of what Aunt Josephine had written. It began to thunder outside, and with each roll of the thunder, the entire house shook. But Klaus kept flipping pages and writing things down. Then, as the lightning began to flash outside, he stopped and stared at the note for a long time, frowning intently. Finally, he wrote the words on the bottom of Aunt Josephine's note, concentrating so hard as he did so when Violet and Sunny entered the library and called out his name, he entirely jumped out of his chair. Blah, surprise, blah, he shrieked, his heart pounding and his tongue a little bit less swollen. I'm sorry, Violet said. I didn't mean to surprise you. Blah, 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 take baking soda, blah, he asked. No, Violet said we couldn't take a baking soda bath. Aunt Josephine doesn't have any baking soda because she never turns the oven on to bake. We just took a regular bath, but it doesn't matter, Klaus. What have you what have you been doing in this freezing room? Why have you drawn circles all over Aunt Josephine's note? Bloody and grammar, he replied, gesturing to the books. What do you think he meant, Peyton? When he said bloody and ganner. Grammar. I think he means studying grammar. Blah, Sunny shrieked, which probably meant glah, which meant something along the lines of why are you wasting valuable time studying grammar? Because, Klaus explained impatiently, I think Blood Josephine left us a message in the note. When she was she was miserable and she threw herself out the window, Violet said, shivering in the wind. What other message could it be? There are too many gram- grammatical er- mistakes in the blah, Klaus said, and Aunt Josephine loved grammar and she'd never make that many mistakes unless she had a blah reason. So that's what I've been doing. Blah, counting up the grammatical mistakes. Blah, Sunny said, which meant something along the lines of, please continue, Klaus. Klaus wiped a few raindrops off of his glasses and looked down his nose. He, we already know that blah, the first sentence uses the wrong it's, and I think it was to get our attention, but it, but... Look at the second buttons. My heart is as cold as Ike, and I, and I find life unbearable. But the correct word is unbearable, Violet said. You told us that already. Well, I think there's more, Klaus said. My heart is as cold as Ike. That doesn't sound right to me. Remember Aunt Josephine told us that Blah liked to think that her husband of of her some husband in some place very hot that's true violet said remembering she said that right here in this very room she said that she liked that sh- she said ike liked the sunshine and so that she imagined him someplace sunny 
So I think Aunt Blosephine meant cold as ice. Okay, so we have ice and unbearable so far. That doesn't mean anything to me, Violet said. Well, me either, said Klaus. But look at Blanek's part. I know you children may not understand the sad life of a dow- dowager. We don't, we don't have any children. That's true, Violet said. I'm not planning to have children until I am considerably older. So why wouldn't Josephine say your children? I think she meant you children, and I looked up dowager in the correct grammatical spelling of every English word that ever, ever existed. Why, Violet asked. You already know it's a fancy word for a widow. If it is a blunty word for a widow, Klaus replied, but it's spelled dowager, and Josephine added an extra D. As cold as ice, Violet said, counting on her fingers, unbearable, you children, and an extra D in do- Dowager, that's not much of a message, Klaus. Let me finish, Klaus said. I discovered even more Grimogogo mistakes when she wrote, or what would have led me to this desperate act, A-K-T, which means would have she would have said led me, L-E-T, and the word act, A-C-T. Of course, it is spelt with a C. Koik, Sunny shrieked, which meant... Thinking about all of this is making me dizzy. Me too, Sunny Violet said, lifting her sister up so that she could sit on the table. But let him, but let him finish. There are just blah more, Klaus said, holding up two fingers. One, she calls Captain Sham, is kind and honorable men. When she should have said a kind and honorable man. And the last sentence Aunt Josephine wrote, Please think of me kindly, even though I have done this terrible thing. But according to the handbook of advanced apostrophe use, she should have written, Even though I've done this terrible thing. But so what? Violet said. What do all of these mistakes mean? Klaus smiled. It showed and showed his sister the two words that he had written on the bottom of the note. Curled cave, he, curdled cave, he read out loud. Curdled veek, Sunny asked, which meant curdled what? Curdled cave, Klaus repeated. If you take all the letters involved in the grammar, grammatical mistakes, it spells, look, C for ice, instead of Ike, I U for unbearable instead of unbearable unbearable, the R in your children instead of you children, and the extra D in Dowger. L E D for lead instead of leaded, and C for act instead of A K T. A man for instead of men and V E. For I've instead of I'd. That spells curdled cave, don't you see? Aunt Josephine knew it. She was making grammatical errors, and she knew we'd spot them. She was leaving us a message, and the message is curdled. A great gust of wind interrupted Klaus as it came through the shuttered window and shook the library as if it were a mar- maracas. A word here describing a rattling percussion instrument used in Latin American music. 
Everything rattled wildly around the library as the window flew th- as the wind flew through it. Chairs and footsteps flipped over and fell to the floor with their leg in the air. The bookshelves rattled so hard that some of the heaviest books in Aunt Josephine's collection spun off into puddles of rainwater and on the floor, and the Baudelaire orphans were jerked violently to the ground as a streak of light flashed across the darkening sky. Let's get out of here, Violet shouted over the noise and thunder. Noise of the thunder and grabbed her siblings by the hand. The wind was blowing so hard that the Baudelaire's felt as if they were climbing an enormous hill instead of walking to the door of the library. The orphans were quite out of breath by the time they shut the library door behind them and stood shivering in the hallway. Poor Aunt Josephine, Violet said. Her library is wrecked. But I need to get back in there, Klaus said, holding up the note. We just found out what Aunt Josephine means by curdled cave, and now we need a library to find out more. Not that library, Violet pointed out. All that library had were books on grammar. We need books on Lake Lacrimose. Why, Klaus asked. Because I'll bet you anything... I'll bet you anything, Curdled Cave, said Violet, is in Lake L- Lake Lacrimose. Remember, she said that she knew every island and its waters and every cave on its shores. I bet Curdled Cave is one of those caves. But why would her secret message be about some cave, Klaus asked. You've been so busy figuring out the message, Violet said, that you don't understand what it means. Aunt Josephine isn't dead. She wants people to think she's dead, but she wants to tell us that she's hiding. We have to find her book on Lake Lacrimose. Find her books on Lake Lacrimose and find out where Curdled Cave is. But first, we have to know where the books are. Klaus said she told us that she hid them away, remember? Sunny shrieked, remembering in agreement, but her siblings couldn't hear her over a burst of thunder. Let's see, Violet said. Where would you hide something if you didn't want to look at it? The Baudelaire orphans were quite quiet as they thought of places they had hidden things they did not want to look at back when they had lived with their parents in the Baudelaire home. Violet thought of an automatic harmonica that she had invented that had made such a horrible noise that she had hidden it so so she didn't have to think about her failure. <sighs> Klaus thought of a book on a Franco-Prussian war that was so difficult that he had hidden it so that not to be reminded that he wasn't old enough to read it. And Sunny thought of a piece of stone that was too hard for her to eat for even her sharpest tooth and how she had hidden it in her jar so that no longer ache from her many attempts on conquering it. And all three Baudelaire orphans thought of the hiding place they had chosen. Underneath the bed, Violet said. Underneath the bed, Klaus agreed. Seek yet, Sunny agreed. Without another word, the three children ran down the hallway to Aunt Josephine's room. Normally, it is not polite to enter somebody's room without knocking, but you can make an exception if that person is dead or pretending to be dead, and the Baudelaire's went right inside. Aunt Josephine's room was similar to the orphans with a navy blue striped bed on 
and a pile of tin cans in the corner. There is a small window looking out into the rain-soaked sky and a pile of new grammar books by the side of her bed that Aunt Josephine had not even started reading and I'm sad to say would never read. But the only part about the rain room that interested the children was underneath the bed. All three of the children knelt down to look there. Aunt Josephine apparently had plenty of things she did not want to look at anymore. Underneath the bed were pots and pans which she did not want to look at because they reminded her of the stove. There were ugly socks somebody had given her as a gift that were too ugly for human eyes. And the Baudelaire's were sad to see a framed photo of a kind-looking man with a handful of crackers in one and his lips pursed as if he were, as if he were whistling. It was Ike, and the Baudelaire's knew that. She had placed his photograph there because she was too sad to see it. But behind one of those biggest pots was a stack of books, and the orphans immediately reached for it. The Tides of Lake Lakermose, Violet said, reading the title up the top of the book. That won't help. The bottom of Lake Lacrimose. Is it Lakermose or Lacrimose? Um, Klaus said, reading the next one. That's not useful. Lake Lacrimose Trout, Violet read. The history of the Democles Dock region, Klaus read. Ivan Lacrimose, Lake Explorer, Violet read. How Water is Made, Klaus read. A Lake Lacrimose Atlas, Violet said. Atlas, that's perfect, Klaus cried out. An atlas is a book of maps. There was a flash of lightning outside the window and it began to rain harder, making the sound on the roof as if somebody was dropping marbles on it. Without another word, the Baudelaire's opened the atlas and began flipping through the pages. They saw a map of the lake, but they couldn't find Curdled Cave. This is a book for... This is 478 pages long, Klaus exclaimed, looking at the last page of the atlas. It'll take forever to find Curdled Cave. Well, we don't have forever, said Violet. Captain Sham is probably on his way here now. Use the index back to look under the cur under curdled. Klaus flipped the index, which I'm sure you know is an alphabetical list of each thing a book contains and what pages it's on. Klaus ran his finger down the list of the C words, muttering out loud, Carp Cove, Chartreuse Island, Cloudy Cliffs, Condiment Bay, Curdled Cave. Here it is, Curdled Cave. Page 104. Quickly, Klaus flipped to the correct page and looked at the detailed map. Curdled Cave, Curdled Cave, where is it? There it is, Violet pointed with her finger on a tiny spot on the map marked Curdled Cave, directly across from the Democles Dock, just west of the Lavender Lighthouse. Let's go. Go, Klaus said. How are we supposed to get across the lake? The fickle fairy will take us, Violet said, pointing to the dotted line on the map. Look, the fairy goes right to the Lavender Lighthouse, and we can walk from there. We're going to walk to the Democles Dock in this rain, Klaus asked. Well, we haven't any choice, Violet answered, and we have to prove that Aunt Josephine is still alive or else Captain Sham gets us. Oh, I just hope she is still, Klaus started to say, but he stopped himself and pointed out the window. Look, Violet and Sunny looked. The window in Aunt Josephine's bedroom looked out on the hill and the orphans could see one of the spidery metal stilts that kept Aunt Josephine's house from falling on the lake. But 
they could also see that the stilt had been badly damaged by, a ha- by the howling storm. There was a large black burn mark undoubtedly from the lightning, and the wind had been so had bent the stilt into an uneasy curve at the storm rage. As the storm raged around them, the orphans watched the stilt struggle to stay attached. Tafka, Sunny shrieked, which meant we have to get out of here right now. Sunny's right, Violet said. Grab the atlas and let's go. Klaus grabbed Lake Lacrimose atlas, atlas, not wanting to think of what would be happening if they were still leaping through the book that had not looked at the window. Oh, that, that had not looked up at the window. As the youngsters stood up, the wind rose to a feverish pitch, a phrase here which means it shook the house and sent all three orphans toppling to the floor. Violet fell against one of the bedposts and banged her knee. Klaus fell against the cold radiator and banged his foot, and Sunny fell on top of the pile of tin cans and banged everything. The whole room seemed to lurch slightly to one side as the orphans staggered back to their feet, Come on, Violet screamed and grabbed Sunny. The orphan scurried out of the hallway towards the front door. A piece of the ceiling had come off and rainwater was steadily pouring into the carpet, splattering the orphans as they ran underneath it. The house gave another lurch and the children toppled on the floor again. Aunt Josephine's house was starting to slip off the hill. Come on, Violet screamed again, and the orphan stumbled on the, t- on the tilted hallway out the door, slipping in puddles and in their own frightened feet. Klaus went, was the first to reach the front door and yanked it open as the house gave another lurch, followed by a horrible, horrible crunching sound. Come on, Violet screamed, and all the Baudelaire's crawled out of the door onto the hill, huddled together in the freezing rain. They were cold, they were frightened, but they had escaped. I have seen many amazing things in my long, troubled life history. I have seen a series of corridors built entirely out of human skulls. I have seen a volcano erupt and send a wall of lava crawling towards a small village. I have seen a woman I loved pick up by an enormous eagle and flown into its high mountain nest, but I can still not imagine what it was like to watch Aunt Josephine's house topple into Lake Lacrimose. My own research tells me that the children watched in mute amazement as the peeling of the white door slammed and and shut and began to crumble, as you might crumble a piece of paper into a ball. I have been told that the children hugged each other even more tightly as they ever heard as they heard the rough and ear-splitting noise of their home breaking loose from the side of the hill. But I cannot tell you how it felt to watch that whole building fall down, down, down and hit the dark stormy waters of lake of the lake below. Peyton, are you sleeping? Yep, she is out. <laughs>